And on the count of three, can we hear? Is everyone there? Is everyone with us? Hello. Wow, guys. What's we're up? doing What up, folks? And welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast, Rakaish, your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. Today, I sit down with Bram and Quinn, two of the six members of the Trans-Canada Canoe Expedition, Source Runs North. This is a canoe trip I was on in the summer of 2019. We paddled from Rainy Lake, Minnesota to the Arctic Ocean, a 2,800-mile journey over 109 days. One year ago today, we were still on this trip, which is freaking crazy to think about. So we found it only fitting to reflect on our emotions, feelings, and lessons learned a year later. In this episode, we evaluate our decision-making, how we wanted to come from a base of love, but didn't always live up to that in the first month. We look at a course social media post that we made prior to our trip's departure that really offended Quinn. So please take this time to sit back, relax, buckle in that seatbelt, and enjoy today's episode. Um, just early on in the preparation of the trip, I felt a little outcasted or alienated um, because of external factors, because of things other people were saying about how our hierarchy or our decision-making system should be. And obviously a lot happened out there. Like we all developed, we all changed, we created relationships that will never die. Oh, you know, I, I love everyone on the trip with my whole heart. Um, but we had to work to get to that point. And I, I, it was tough. It was tough early on to... Um, we'll get to that pizza. That pizza can wait. Yeah. It was tough early on to tell everyone exactly how I felt because I didn't want to be a splinter or a chink in the armor or a pain in the ass. I, I just wanted to kind of go with the flow, but I felt a little um, like I wasn't being heard as much as I wanted to uh, because of, because of I, I don't know, it seemed like external forces that were kind of pushing in and trying to determine things on the trip and uh, to cite specific examples being, you know, there were people who wanted me to be the trip head. And I'm, I might have wanted to be the trip head for the first day, maybe, but quickly realized, like, no way. That's, that's a tough job, and we're all equals here. If this is going to really be equal, we all need to have the same say. Um, totally. And those external forces... Was that the organization? Was that parents? Was that friends? Primarily the organization. Got it. And so you felt a burden, like you were expected to be the trip head. We sent a proposal in and they sent us back. Not really questions about the routes or our preparation or anything, just our decision-making system and why I wasn't determined to be the trip head. Right. If I had two votes, they were like, well, why isn't Quinn just the trip head? Um, right. Because that's not how this trip works. I don't think it would have worked very well if that was the case. It, I mean, it would be really hard to go out there, especially not having tripped with any of you, to all of a sudden be thrown in the position of of leading this huge expedition as right. opposed to a seven-day prep trip that I was used to. And do you think that the expectation played into your how our interactions were the first month of the trip? Yeah. I felt a little, like I said, alienated. Or neglected. As a result of us knowing that you were expected to be the trip head? Yeah. Mm. But I also, I mean, throughout the beginning of the trip, course of the trip, quickly realized that 
you know, we're all just trying our best out there. And I shouldn't hold a grudge or resentment against anyone. I, I, I did early on. I didn't pass a certain point at, at the pot when we kind of laid the cards on the table and decided, you know, how, how the rest of the trip was going to shake out, how our boats were going to be. We'd all been with each other for 28 days at that point. So there, it was very easy to open up and just right. kind of be vulnerable and let everyone know. Totally. I think that hotel room conversation was a milestone of the trip. We we set an intention of being vulnerable, really sharing what parts of the trip were going well and what wasn't going well. And it was there that you brought up the love thing, like it being something that we talked about but not really expressed. You know? I didn't feel it. I didn't really feel it until I, I felt a certain sense like we're all in it together. That was very clear. But it didn't it didn't seem like we were practicing this love that we were preaching and and did eventually come about and develop and got us through. But it it took a little, I mean, just a a word to the wise, like before, if you're, if you're going on a trip like this, don't let the words or preconceived notions or ideas of other people determine how you treat the, the people around you. Just Take the person for who they are right then and there, not what other people have to say about mm, them. That's that's wisdom. That's a wisdom nugget right there for you folks. Pocket that one. And I I think that, yeah, Quinn, you're right about the love thing, and we were just kind of talking about it. And I think it was just because we were kind of, we had heard that from other trips like us, that there was this love, and we knew that that is what we needed to be successful. So we were from the get-go preaching that kind of almost forcing it um, just like kind of speaking it into action kind of, I think. And, but I just think that you can't, you know, we knew each other pretty well, but you not, we didn't love each other yet. Um, we were just kind of talking it into action. And it's the fact that we had heard these words of other trips coming back that we love each other and that's how we made it through. And they had already been out in the woods together for 60 or 70 days. So it took us that amount of time to develop that. Totally. And I can remember during your interview that you thought it was funny when Paul on like day 15 was like, guys, I fucking love you guys. Like, stop arguing. Yeah. And then, and then, but Bram was like, did he, did he really love us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was still early and that was a crisis situation. And that got us, that snapped us all out of it when Paul said that because it was so raw for, for Paul. Yeah. Was, yeah. But I could, I, I did sense it was developing, uh, definitely on Winnipeg, because that was such a, a beast. Oh my gosh! You, know, you get through something like that together, and and right, brotherhood, familyhood, sisterhood, camaraderie, whatever you want to call it, will be built totally. And just to catch the listeners up, we we pretty much had a near death experience. I would describe it as that. And that's how I talk about it. We had a near death experience on Lake Winnipeg, uh, where. We were caught in the middle of some really big waves and we were lucky to make it out and it led to a big argument afterwards. But I feel like to go through something like that together strengthens bonds. You know, to come out of it alive, we, we did argue for a second afterwards, but we snapped out of it. And I think that helped us like, fuck, like we're, we're, we're together. Like we, we're, we're attached at the hip. Like we gotta, we gotta do this together. We're in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I also fault myself in, in the entire situation for not speaking out earlier or putting the cards on the table earlier but it was an intimidating room yeah with a, a lot of guys who had tripped more than me even though I was the the elder in the room 
I didn't feel that way in, in a tripping regard. And I, I, I don't know. I, I wish I had spoken up earlier. I feel I should have. It definitely would have let you guys know more so how I was feeling instead of like, you know, the first three weeks kind of just thinking about it, letting it ruminate. Right. I'm also getting, um, getting injured this whole time and like pissed off at myself and my body. So I finally at the paw, I, I felt good enough and, and comfortable enough with everyone to, to say what had to be said. Well, something that I think I've learned from you is to act like before you speak to really think about what you're going to say. I took a long time with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took a month. Right. More, more. Right. But it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to open up about something that's really eating at your gut, at your, at your core. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, it just, it was, it was hard to like figure it out, just what we were saying and then how we were acting. And it wasn't like I was getting ridiculed or picked on. It, it was, it, it was just um, an indifference was kind of how I felt. Wow. Was there more that you think the trip could have done in those moments to draw that out of you? To, to, no, to, no, I, I just had to come to the, come to the words on my own, figure them out. I mean, I, I am, I'm a firm believer in don't, don't immediately speak if you, you know, immediately feel an emotion. Like you might not be able to control it, but gather your thoughts. A lot of times on the trip, I, I thought it was great how we waited till dinner to, to gather our thoughts and then, okay, anyone got anything they want to bring up? Mm -hmm. Like, let's open these cans of worms now. Wow. And that was another thing that we decided to do kind of in the, in the paw, I believe. We at least yeah. decided, yeah, to, be, to use that time, uh, spend it together and use that as the time to hash anything out. Man, and another thing, I'm just going to bring up everything that we talked about in that interview. This is a good, safe, good, good time to do it. You also mentioned the locus of control being within Axel, Bram, and Paul. Can you clarify what you meant by that? Because that's something that came up in the in our interview. Yeah, um, Paul mapped out, studied, researched, did everything for the trip that would constitute him being the trip head, which he, in a lot of ways, especially pre-trip was just like appointed by popularity. And that made total sense for us to, to want Paul's like blessing on an idea or, or his uh, agreement felt, you know, like, like what people were looking for. Um, and I remember writing an article soon after we got the proposal back, just like a little letter soon after we got the proposal back telling the board whoever it was, the Arctic Committee, that Paul was essentially the trip head. And if you wanted the title, he could probably have it. Paul doesn't want that title. And as much as, as much as Paul is the right man for the job, he wanted it to be a democracy. He wanted everyone to have the right say. And he, he said, I should get the second vote, um, which I was a bit surprised by right. early well, on. But you know what I do find really interesting? Because in Paul's interview... One of his deep reflections that we, I only heard it when I podcasted with him, was that it was the, one of the hardest things about the trip was actually letting go of the control of the trip because of how much planning he did. Yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. Like, and Paul was dealing with that. You were dealing with this. You could kind of sense it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it just, it seemed to be if Paul liked an idea or, or had an idea or didn't like an idea, that's kind of the way things would go. 
So it was it was already like predetermined, and that and that's how an Arctic trip, I imagine, goes most of the time. There's one guy. That's what we've heard about. There's one guy who really right. does the research and mm-hmm. and and gets it going. I, you know, I just didn't see the the equity that we talked about, and that took time yeah. to develop. That's fine. I mean, and the other thing that just bothered me in general was the the bio. So right. that's where a lot we, of my we'll, we'll get into that. In this, yeah, in that's where a lot of my yeah early resentment, for lack of a better word, because I don't even think it was that. It was just kind of frustration or uncertainty or like an unsettling feeling totally. came from. We decided to make bios for each other, um, and just with with a comedic tone, write little excerpts about each other. And my bio was a little harsher than the others. I mean, if I'm wrong, say so. But I felt it was a little harsher, and I expressed that I didn't like it. And it, you know, once again, I don't want to be like a, a stick in the mud or a pain in the ass. So I didn't express too much. But um, I, I didn't like what was written. I didn't think it reflected who I was very well. I thought it was just kind of a knock or a roast, which didn't again go with like how we were preaching our approach to this trip. So. That bothered me for a while, um, and I just couldn't really understand like why it was written. I didn't feel like it came from the right place. So, you know, I just let it fester. And then I, if you guys noticed anything, I'd kind of be surprised. Maybe you noticed a little bit, like I was possibly irritable, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to like let anyone know how I felt. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say. And that just takes time for me to get to know someone, especially the whole group, and get comfortable enough to to truly speak my mind. Yeah, I definitely did not notice. I don't think, I think, yeah, I think I was pretty, even to the extent that I didn't notice was that I didn't even fully realize what Quinn, I, I knew what he was talking about, but I didn't even bring it back that he was making a personal statement about himself, kind of, and the trip as a whole. But uh, when we had our meeting in the pod, and he expressed how we just, I don't paraphrase him, but I think it was just how we do need to preach the love and we need to treat everyone's opinion, uh, never disparage someone's opinion. You know, no, there's no right and wrong opinions. It's just opinions, and you need to not disparage those. And I didn't even realize... I just thought it was like wisdom for for everyone, but I think looking back at it from, from hearing him now, it's like, oh, that had to do with, you know, kind of feelings of betrayal and insecurity from that post that like he was thinking that no one, like me, Zach and Axel who wrote that, like don't respect him kind of. And yeah. yeah, which isn't the case. And I think, you know, looking back, it was, I think it was just a mixture of like kind of group think with us three. We was just, it was like the first time that it was like, it was like all three of us writing one. And in the other ones, it was like one person writing it. And like we were just, so it was like it had everyone's ideas. And that's probably why it was like triple as wrong. And like the biggest wrong out of it all wasn't even writing it. I think it was the fact that Quinn expressed initially like he didn't like it and we apologized, but we didn't do anything about it. Right. We we left it up. 
We le- yeah, we left it up, and I don't un- really un- know why. Unedited, right. Yeah, fuck, dude. It's, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that we didn't treat that with more care. And uh, honestly, I, I'm, I'm glad everything worked out. You know, it's, it's crazy because you, you can look back and you're like, fuck. Like, that's so clear. We should have acted differently. I mean, I'm so grateful that everything worked out. But, um, yeah, that was an early misstep, early misstep. And uh, obviously, you so you paid the you paid the price the first month of the trip. Well, I think I, I think we all learned from that experience. I know I did. You know, I I I should have been a little more assertive. I should have been like, guys, we're not fucking posting that. You know, I just draw the line in the sand. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's hard for anyone out there who's who's planning on going into an Arctic trip. It's it's hard to to do this democracy and group think and and put it all together and keep yeah. everyone happy and 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 like you said Bram take opinions for opinions i i think you can get stuck in in what you think is right or wrong and and maybe you are right maybe you have a better idea but the other person is fully entitled to their opinion and maybe there's something you know maybe there's a way they're putting it you haven't thought about or something they say that you might be looking at from a from the wrong lens or from a different angle than they are. It's I know I'm getting a little <laughs> vague here, but um, we le- we all learned so much out there, and that's exactly what I wanted. And it it turned into such an amazing experience. Like it it was a, a well oiled machine. Mm. We were firing on all cylinders. Past the paw, we were like. So good. <laughs> Unflappable. Unflappable, yeah. 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 But it takes hardship and trial to get there. You know, not even, not just physical, but your own mental, individual experience. Oh. Yeah, I think something I've been thinking about recently is just the that we all did this thing together and it was a collective experience, but just how different all of our experiences were. And only has really come out and been clear to me just because of these post post trip interviews that you know come six months after um you know Quinn was having such a different experience of that first month than any of us Paul was having a totally different experience of the whole trip that he didn't ever let on you know it turns out he was every day was stressed that the trip was going to fail and he would be a failure and he was putting all that on him Zach was having his own like inner crisis uh, because of a girl. I'm sure Axel was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is true. I mean, I'm sure Axel and Quinn were thinking about their girlfriends 24 7. You know, they were probably always thinking about their girlfriends. And like, I'd, I, I feel like very lucky that I was in time in my life that I could just purely focus on the trip. And I was for some reason. What, what was your badge? I, I can't even think of it. Like, it was just all great, honestly. I mean, wow. just like, yeah, just, I think just figuring out my place and I don't know, just, it, it was okay really, not it just, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't that's know. awesome. I mean, I'm jealous, yeah. I think, nice. and I think Jimmy as well nice. also yeah. was just yeah. fully, yeah. There, yeah. Jimmy's baggage was that he didn't want to go back to reality. I guess <laughs> I didn't. After yeah, a while. definitely. Man, it's tough. Tough. 
like I mean, we're, what we're a year in now, over a year. I guess we were still on the trip last year. I think we were, we were probably somewhere in the on Slave the River or something. No, I don't. Oh, we weren't even. Are we on, on the that? lake at this? We point? might be on Great Slave Lake. That is so crazy. It's crazy to think. My it's phone been here. always gives me little photo updates. Yeah, I got a. I think we're on, or on the lake or. We're getting there. Yeah, either we're coming up to it or we're on Great Slave Lake. Wow. So it's been a year. Um, I want to talk about what you guys missed the most about the trip a year later. I want to hear from both of you guys so you can take your time now. Simplicity. Just the, the simple yet so empowering and, and impactful way of life, lifestyle that, that we did every day and got to be a routine and really, and got really good at, and just how the natural beauty is, is one thing, but how clear your head is when you, when you're just moving forward with a group of people and you're in, you're in great physical shape, especially towards the, towards the middle and end. But we we just worked so well together. It was very easy to knock out thirty miles a day. You know, it's like going downstream is one thing, but even once we were north of Yellowknife, towards the end of the trip, the last chapter, we were pulling up rivers and and going through the tundra, and still just we were also focused. It was so simple. We we did so well and did right by each other. What do you mean did right by each other? We knew each other so well. We were we were a team at that point. We were like six brothers out there. You know, there was everything was on the table at that point. We all knew each other well enough to be completely frank and open and honest and and we were and there were times where people were frustrated and and there were times where people elated, but we you know, we did it all together. We moved really well together. I miss I miss that. Just having that like great sense of oh, wow, we are we're really doing it. Yeah, I, I can remember just waking up in the morning and feeling so good to be doing what I was doing, and, and lucky, honestly. Just you get on the water. We talk about this first stretch of the day, just knowing exactly what you're getting, not exactly what you're getting into, but like the idea of what you're getting into, and and feeling this sense of like this is important and meaningful. What I'm about to do today. And it did feel that way, important and meaningful. Even though, I mean, some people might think that's just a canoe trip. You're just moving. It's not that great. It, there's the spiritual side that you can't, I cannot describe here, that you will only find out in the woods, specifically the tundra, where it's, it's so primitive. Um, there's just nothing up there. It's so barren. You really feel like you're, like, you're just a part of the land. It's it's all encompassing. It's all around you. You're you're so vulnerable to the elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so you, you, yeah. you shaking your head. Yeah, because Quinn just said literally. I thought I could say something at the end, and then he <laughs> <Sorry>. said, <laughs> "That was, literally took the words out of my mouth." I mean, I was going to say just the deliberateness of how we were living. Just it was all. It was just yeah, so simple, and. Just like when you're the real, you know, the outside world and in society, it's just kind of, there's just so much going on that it's hard to focus um, in on a goal. 
or focus in on what you know. You have to really meditate on what you want um, and what you want to do. And it's just so easy to just get distracted by go do this, go do that, go do that. You know, hang out with your friends. Um, you have your girlfriend. You have your friends. You have all these different activities to do, and it's like almost overwhelming. Um, that you're kind of you every day. You have to make choices, and kind of you get strayed from what your goal is, and you, it's hard to define that goal. But just out there, it was always so simple, and you're you know what you have to do, and you know that every day you just have to move forward, and as long as you move forward enough every day, you're going to finish the trip and do it and. You know, there was a point, I think, where we could have gone on forever if that's what the season was allowing. You know, we were eating enough. It was kind of, we found an equilibrium that I think we kind of lost um, near the end uh, when we were going up the Yellowknife and in the tundra because we were so exhausted. But it was just that, really that, like, middle ground where we were in such equilibrium, we knew how to live out there and we could just do it without even thinking. And and then the other thing is just literally it's kind of just like you just get to experience what, you know, the great creation, which is earth. Um, you really, it just feel, feels like church. Like it's the closest I've ever felt to God. Not, my, not myself to God, not comparing myself to God, but the closest I've felt to God. Um, just being able to, fully immerse yourself in his creation. Um, those are the two things that miss. Amen. Amen. Do you guys think there's a way to bring the simplicity that we're talking about on the trip into life, everyday life, normal life, if we want to call this? Uh, I don't, just because of um, mainly what Bram was saying, you don't find that spiritual connection in the concrete jungle in cities and urban populations and even smaller towns and, and, and the familiarity and, and the comfortability of your four walls and a roof and your iPhone and the microwave and the television that that's, it doesn't give you that like core feeling of, of, um, immersion that, that you get when you're in the woods of just knowing you're out in the elements and you're not, you're not safe. you you feel more alive in those moments. It's, we talked a lot about type two fun on the trip. There's those like hardest points where you're miserable, sore on the portage trail. And can you explain type two fun really quickly? It's fun. That is not fun when you're doing it, but it's fun when you look back on and reflect on it and talk about it. Um, when you're when you're super tired, dehydrated, sweating, miserable on the Portage Trail with a you know sixty pound boat on your shoulders, trying to trying to get the last quarter mile done, you're you're asking yourself why you came out here. Then you look back, and it was one of the best times of the trip because you pushed yourself, you you learned something, you accomplished something. I think that feeling you you I don't want to say you can't get it in the real world. Because I don't know, I, ha I haven't felt it. Maybe someone has, but I think it would have to be um, like your life's goal. You know, it'd have to be something super 
powerful and emotional to you specifically, like like an artist completing their masterpiece or um, you know Mozart or, or Shakespeare or something like that. Mm. That's the only thing I can equate to it. You just you feel like you're meant to be there, even though it sucks. It's it's a really weird feeling, but it's also very very powerful. Um, and I don't. I just think the schedule. As much as I like, I'm really happy right now. I'm so busy, and there's so much to do and think about. Out there, you're thinking about like I'm thinking about drying my clothes and what we're eating, and oh, do we get cherries and chocolate today? (laughs) (laughs) Complete the meal. Yeah, like oh, and we got to switch sides soon. You know, (laughs) or it's just it's a bit simpler. Not a bit. It it is. It's much simpler. And that's nice because you can you can focus and you can enjoy your surroundings. There's beautiful places in the city. We're in we're in Minneapolis right now. It's a beautiful city, but it's not nearly as beautiful as five hours north on Rainy Lake. And you just you're surrounded by trees and, and the creation, as Bram was saying. So you can you can try to understand it and you can really appreciate it. Yeah. I I would say, kind of piggybacking off of what Quinn said is um, that I think it is possible, but that it is a lot harder. It's a lot more work, um, and I think we're the wrong guys to ask about it. This is just because we've kind of found our meditation, like we've found our avenue to it, and it's also very hard. You know, it's it's so hard to get out there just. Physically, you know, we had to spend a year planning for this and we have spent four months, you know, it's such a time commitment. It was a lot of work, but I think, you know, in the more traditional setting, I think if you ask someone who's kind of on the, you know, path to enlightenment or the path to like, you know, that, what they're trying to get um, out of life and just kind of a clarity, they would probably say, you know, it's through meditation and stuff like that, that I, th- I could see how that is like, you know, you just have to find kind of peace within yourself um, in order to be peaceful anywhere. You could be peaceful in the city. I think it's just really, really hard. Take takes a whole lifetime. It's a great point. Like Zen Buddhism, finding that, that perfect place where you're totally calm and at ease and, and, and enlightened. Like just Bram was saying, yeah, I found that in the tundra. I found that at the end of the trip, mm-hmm. where I felt like I was doing what I was meant to do. As much as I know I can't right. do it forever, that's that was the reality, the kind of sad reality. But at least I know where my higher power is. It's out there. So, guys, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast tonight. This has been great. This has been so much fun. We're pounding, we're fisting it right now. <laughs> but I love you guys so much. So grateful. Let we get the opportunity to do another trip together. Quinn, I see you wanted to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to sign off um, by bringing it back to to why Zach brought me here again to do this interview. I know the last one was just me, like a little lit up, kind of throwing my emotions out, and and sometimes that's what it takes for me to to properly gather my thoughts. And um, as long as it takes, and as, as um, you know, as hard as it was, and I'm sure it's hard hearing it. Like I, I hold zero resentment towards either of you or anyone else on the trip. I love you guys more than anything. Um, I, I, 
you know, I, I'm really happy with the way things turned out, and that's what's most important and where we are now and, and where I see us going. So yeah. just mad love. Love you too, Quinn. <laughs> Fucking hearts. Love you too. Yeah, hearts, hearts. Purple hearts. Purple hearts, <laughs> I always said. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and to you too, Bram, do you have any, do you love us too? I, I love you too. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, totally. And Quinn, we don't, we don't feel that any... <laughs> We don't feel any resentment. Yeah. No resentment towards you. We feel love. the love. We feel the love. We have come to the the point. It's all love. It's all. It's all love, baby. Well, guys, have a wonderful day, wonderful evening, whatever time of day you're listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to this show. Listen to last week's episode and stay tuned next week for your weekly dose of wisdom nuggets. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.